Yeah, we're recording now. So welcome. So Matthew Matthew Wattard. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, and could you please tell us a bit about yourself? So uh, my uh, disabilities uh, would be epilepsy and Asperger syndrome. I was diagnosed with epilepsy when I was 15. Asperger is when I was uh, 27, it was 26, mm-hmm. back in late 2016. Um, so we, we can tie in the experiences, the social experiences that I've had in together. I can tell you that um, you, you uh, in your questions, you, you in the set of questions that you sent me, you, you mentioned that, uh, and we were talking about how, how uh, certain disabilities are misconceived as attitude problems whereas the, people assume that you have a, they have a negative attitude yeah with which the way you respond to certain behavior or how you're treated now this this is uh, I, I think one of the worst uh, lived experiences you, uh, you could call it that i've had for since i was childhood from from both from my per- personal life private life and uh, academic life and professional life, where uh, people thought that I sometimes they would uh, they would assume sometimes that it was because I had an attitude issue, when it was not. The real issue was that I think and see things differently, which is the case with people who are on the spectrum, mm-hmm. on the on the autism spectrum and uh, or on Asperger. Now Asperger isn't as obvious as autism. Yeah, people are from it's it's a lighter form you could say a lighter form uh, but epilepsy it was the same because epilepsy it's not one of those disease uh, disabilities that you can see you can't see epilepsy the same way you can see someone who has down syndrome or is in a wheelchair right yeah. uh, so it's not obvious it, it only becomes obvious so, same with Asperger syndrome these are the kind of disabilities where they've, they've been termed invisible because they only become visible if and when the person has a problem with them. So, for example, with the case of epilepsy, if I have a seizure, mm-hmm. to put it long story short. And, uh, yeah, so this, and uh, it was being diagnosed late, and I should mention this, uh, being diagnosed late, at 26 years old, 27, that's late. Being diagnosed, that's a very late diagnosis with Asperger, and uh, it's late uh, because it creates problems. Because the earlier you are diagnosed with a condition, a disease, uh, or whatever, uh, the earlier and the better the people who you go to for professional help can advise options to help you integrate better and faster. Because uh, people, humans. It's it's in our nature from an evolutionary, even from an evolutionary point of view, because I've studied evolutionary psychology. The younger we manage to d- develop skills to integrate, the better we manage to integrate, mm-hmm. and the quicker. Well, I wouldn't say the quicker. I'd say the better, the more uh, easier and uh, more efficiently integrate into society. Now, you told us in our brief uh, conversation over the emails that you had difficulty. Um, integrating um and i don't want this to be a one-way or interview uh, would you like to say as in what kind of social integration problems did you have yourself and i'm asking you this question because uh, i was going to i mentioned the concept of what i what i call the illusion of inclusion and uh, yeah so before i explain what, what what the concept is i'd like to get get your feet as to what your experience has been like in terms of having difficulty with adapting or integrating? Yeah, well, like, well, I've said this before, like, numerous times, but I don't, I was never diagnosed with autism. I've, like, medical professionals have told me that I don't have it. However, that didn't stop some people to, like, thinking that was one aspect about my life, I, I could say. Um, one of the things that I've always said, difficulty with was like fitting in with the students like I was oftentimes teased by other students some with some of the students even had well one of the students even had like a similar 
disability to me because we because I wasn't allowed to like play mature rated video games, for example. And so growing up, I was initially enrolled in like a special school in Sydney, but my parents quickly took me out of that. They put me into like a public school, which wasn't as adapted to having students with special needs. And like I sometimes due to my CP, which wasn't immediately obvious to other students and teachers even, I would oftentimes stretch a lot because my muscles, they tend to tighten up very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of my teachers, he came over to me and he said, you know, I have a history of problems with like stretches in the classrooms. Just like, please stop doing that. And then I got into high school, which is like a whole, a whole set of issues. First of all, I had been the first time I'd ever moved to a foreign country and I did not speak the language like when I first landed in 2014 I did not speak German at all mm-hmm. and it's like taken me 10 years to become I'd say like on the B2 functional level like I'm not directly on the same level as a native speaker I don't think I'd ever be on the same level as a native speaker of any language other than English which is my mother tongue no matter how hard I try and it was just difficult because I had difficulty fitting in with other students. And I don't mean to criticize Switzerland, but I do find a big part of the local culture, especially when it comes to like trying to make, like for me, making friends with non expat community members has been difficult because how reserved they can be at times. Like I find that is a big aspect of the culture is like being reserved and mm-hmm. yeah as such uh, uh, go on yeah yeah and go on and i also i used to like rock back and forth quite violently a lot as a as a young student i as a young child i eventually grew out of that mm-hmm. and a lot of kids would in they would so avoid me because of that and also I used to wear like a sort of orthotic on my left leg and it would lead to some kids like just coming up and asking me well especially when I was like around 12 11 12 there would come some of the younger students at my primary school would come up and ask me what happened to your leg and I would not be able to give them a clear answer because I did not fully understand my disability myself until I was like early teens like late teens, actually, because I didn't because of my because of the fact that my disability wasn't immediately visible, I had just wanted to like try and fit in with other kids, and so when you asked me to like do something which could be perceived as sort of helping my disability, I would generally try to fight against it because I did not fully understand my disability until I was like around. 16, 15, even. Yeah. And uh, yeah, because I, I never really saw myself as the child with, with a disability. I saw myself as well, someone who just wanted to fit in with all my all, all my classmates. Yeah, then, then that's a uh, it's a it's it's a sentiment that I hear a lot from other people. Um, to tell your audience a little bit more about myself, other than my disability, um, I I also do volunteer work with the Caritas Malta Epilepsy Association, uh, not the Malta. Um, uh, I've been doing it for about nine years now, and and when I say volunteer work, I mean all the work that I do with them and that we do, we do it literally on a volunteer basis, unpaid, nothing. It's just from our own free will that, that we uh, do that we cater to to the needs of the community. There's about give or take five thousand people, but between thousand people, but epilepsy in Malta. Uh, it's 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 hard to get an accurate number with these kind of conditions. Mm-hmm. For all sorts of reasons. It's not just because of the census. Also, because some people wouldn't want to reveal and mention it. You know, as they wouldn't want to mention any other disability or illness. You know, so 
and uh, partially it could be partially due to a, a, a lingering stigma around it, especially when it comes to work. But anyway, long story short, so there's five thousand, four to five thousand, give or take, in Malta. So me and my colleagues, we go to schools, we, we speak to teachers, we speak with nurses, we speak with medical students, we become doctors about what epilepsy is as a condition, and uh, and uh, you know. Dodge the misconception, well, not dodge, uh, um, right, correct the misconception that epilepsy is the uh, seizure where someone falls on the floor and they wriggle hard. You know, I mean, that is one of many seizures. That is the worst, one of the worst seizures, and that's the what we call the tonic-clonic, but uh, part of our education, because another thing i'm going to get to here is okay we say awareness well you know i, I i've grown to actually hate the word awareness because it's become a cliche for everything i'll explain why but anyway so uh, we go and educate people on what epilepsy is it's a neurological condition it's not a disease so if, if you if you're next to me on the table you're not going to transmit epilepsy um there are four different types of epileptic seizures because there are seizures which are non-epileptic even people who are diabetic of a certain uh, level can have a seizure, but epilepsy is epileptic. It's long story short, to put it briefly, it's a, it's the result of an electrical discharge of a, in the brain. Mm-hmm. The brain is a natural circuit. We have, uh, yeah, we have natural current, and there's an oversurge in voltage in one part or more than one part of the brain, and that's how and where the uh, epileptic seizure is triggered and of course the different types of seizures depend on where this electrical discharge surge occurs now of course you know, i'm not a neurologist so i can't give your viewers a, a much better explanation on 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 the on on the specific types of seizures for example my clonic and that because uh, that uh, one is because it's, it's it's such a complex subject and we will uh, we would have to end up going 20 podcasts over this one topic. And secondly, uh, there are things which I myself do not understand. So, uh, because I'm not a neurologist. So, you know, and uh, me, me and my colleagues were, uh, were honest and humble enough to admit where we know that, that we can only speak from personal experience, that we know how the system works for patients of what they can do or should not do. And we also know, for example, you know, if and when someone wants an informed opinion about what to do, well, in terms of treatment, we refer them to a neurologist, which is, as you know, is consultant for the brain, a specialist of the brain. We consult them there, you know. And so, for example, someone tells us, "Listen, my my child was just diagnosed with with, with epilepsy. What do I do? Help me out." We get that a lot, so we tell them, okay, have you been to an oldest? Most of them, yes, but then, you know, then usually more more uh, questions that our members ask us to, to do is, for example, listen, I'm having difficulty controlling my seizures with the medication that my consultant has given me, or the medications that my consultant has given me, new medications are causing me difficulty to fall asleep at night, to sleep properly, or to focus at school, at work, or I, or I, I get these urges of tantrum urges with these new medications. Um, you know, but all the, there's all sorts of side effects with the different medications that exist out there for any long-term chronic condition, but epilepsy being one of them. I'm not sure how much familiar you are with this, but I'm sure have other people who you've spoken to who are on long-term medication have. Told, have attested that uh, the medication that they take isn't just something that they take to solely control the condition. There's the ups and downs of it. So that's a, another thing I'll get into in terms of my own personal experience with epilepsy and, and for anyone else with epilepsy. It's not just, it's not just living with the seizure or, or, or having to adapt your life around because of you get seizures, so you don't swim too deep or alone, or you don't go scuba diving. It's not just that; it's also learning how to adjust your life with the medication, with or any other medical treatment that you take to control your seizures. 
because that's the purpose of it. You know, if you the better that you control your seizures, the better your life is because you you don't end up having a seizure often, which involves injury. If you collapse, you bang your head or break a bone. You don't end up. You don't always end up in hospital as often, and uh, it it doesn't have give you problems at work or with employment or with school if, if the medication is affecting your ability to concentrate and you're still a child, then the parent, of course, will tell us, listen, you know, these new meds that my uh, child has been prescribed, they're sure they're helping him with his seizures, but they're, but they're also affecting his ability to concentrate. And his ability to concentrate on studies and homework is affecting his academic progress and so that that in itself is also a problem because you know the the higher your academic level is in society the more academic and job opportunities you have realistically so this is where i was going to get to now in, in regards to the illusion of the illusion of inclusion which you were very curious for me to explain prior yes. to our interview yeah, please explain what you meant by the illusion of inclusion, because I've never heard that before. Oh, truth be told, I I made it up. Okay. And uh, so, as you know, we all ask ourselves, what is inclusion? Now, this is a question that we, um, I was once on a youth project in Malta, was called Media for Inclusion. So the inclusion was literally the central team. We were uh, six uh, youth uh, organizations from six different countries. And one of our exercises, this was my favorite one, is we would go interview people on the street. So, you know, someone had a Go GoPro camera, camera and would interview people on the street, random people. What do you think inclusion is? Now, this was inclusion for another issue. In this context, it was more about race, because uh, more, more about racism. And this was also mistaken, in my opinion, because... When it came down to inclusional disability, it was uh, reinforcing certain stereotypes around disability. And that's one problem with, uh, with the current models of inclusion is they're meant well. The intentions are good. Okay, yeah, we all want to be part of something. We all want to be part of community, to be part of society. We, we all wish to be accepted. Everyone, it's it's in our nature, but in with our case, you and me having disabilities, that's a little different because you and I know it's you and I know who've been at this for years. Mm -hmm. We know it's not the clear cut because inclusion inclusion for me means one thing, but for you it might mean something else. Whereas the concept of inclusion, as is as is the current. I would say narrative is that we're all equal, right? That yes. we're all equal, we all have equal opportunity. The problem is the people, most of the people who are leading these programs and uh, laying out the social policies around the concept of inclusion are actually doing more harm than good to the very people they're supposed to include. Mm -hmm. Because one, and this is a, and this is a question which is very rarely asked in our social in our circles and you might know what, what i'm getting at realistically speaking how, how many friends would someone say for example with down syndrome have how many friends or you uh well like from my own experiences some of the disability i had i had more friends without disabilities than with them I I I only really had like only one friend with a who also had like CP and was on a similar end of the spectrum growing up, and I had maybe a couple of friends with other types of disabilities as well. But other than that, no, most of my friends had they didn't have disabilities. Yeah, that's so. And uh, so from from your experience, you felt included. Is that my understanding, or I? I suppose there were some things that I thought could have been done better, but I also know that by being really the first student in my 
school had a some sort of disability, I felt that I was able to help inform and in some ways ed- educate my classmates and my teachers who did not have a lot of experience regards yeah. to working with people with disabilities. And I feel that that set the groundwork for helping my school feel more in- included towards the end of my high school education. Oh, that's good. That's good. Because uh, I was going to get to other more uh, serious topics about you, the... you. You can get into more serious topics. Sorry. I, I beg your pardon. Oh, you, you can talk about the more serious topics if you want. Uh, sure, absolutely. Because we don't get, I, I don't get much a chance or an opportunity to um, uh, to go public. Yeah. Even if I wanted to, because this is a, a subject that's so taboo, and I'll get that. For example, okay, so uh, I'm going to start with the social, personal aspect, and then I'll move on to more serious things. So yeah. one of the, the uh, one of the, the disabilities that affects people's ability to socialize is, of course, abilities, disabilities which are related to the brain, mm-hmm. because they affect human behavior in some shape or form. They might affect speech, body language, emotion, ways of thinking and reasoning, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So this goes to people who have not just neurological, not neurological disabilities, just or necessarily only, but also if they have other disabilities. So, and I'm not talking about autism now. So I'm talking about people who have uh, problems with uh, disabilities that have created or caused a level of mental. Re- retardation and when i say mental retardation in a sense that that their cognitive abilities are underdeveloped or the emotional um, um, processes underdeveloped where 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 for example they're 40 years old but their reasoning and behavior is 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 of a 12 year old and it's not because it's their fault it's because it's because it's part of their disability or Something that something that their disability has caused, for example, it it, it could be consistent spasms, or or a, or a defect during during their birth, something like that, and they and and pe- these people do exist, so it affects their brain's development, which in turn affects their ability to socialize, and their ability to socialize in turns in, t- in turn affects their ability to integrate into society and 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 yet some of these people they still manage to convey to you at least they've done to me even with simple things like talk to me and 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 they say it in a and they say it in that innocent way talk to me and i can see that they're alone and they're alone and they're very lonely and they're overprotected for all sorts of re- reasons for for example because most of these people would be for example unable to feed them look after themselves because they 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 don't have that ability or they would need to wear a nappy because they 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 don't have control over their urination process or they can't shower or they can't wash themselves so they can they can't look after themselves so they tend to be uh, looked after by their parents and over protected which although i understand it has it's understandable why they would over over protect them it also has adverse consequences so here's where so i'm going now it's on the social part uh, m- most of these people are lonely mm-hmm. even even uh, even in today's world where we are much i would say on a on a certain aspect connected on the technical level connected more but not so much on the social level because people have become more reserved truthfully and this is something that even sociologists and psychologists have actually noted that uh, even even though people are more technologically connected especially with social media but interpersonally people are more reserved irrespective of whether or not they have disabilities. But with people who have disabilities, and, and this is where I'm going to get to the social aspect, despite, say, for example, in Switzerland or in Malta, people with disabilities would have 
better access, I would say, or better services, health services, let's say. Let's be honest. I think in Switzerland, it's it's reasonable to assume that the healthcare service in Switzerland for people with disability would be technologically better than, say, in China. Would that be a, is that a fair or informed assumption, or is it an ignorant one? You tell me, because you're the one who lives there. I yeah, I I live in Switzerland, and I and I feel that I I agree with what you're saying that. I got from my own personal experience and from the experience of people that I know who also live here mm-hmm. that we like the healthcare system is really good and I have been able to get everything I need, especially compared to Australia where I was like restricted to one one therapy when I needed mm-hmm. a lot like more than one got therapy form of therapy growing up. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's good. Yeah. All right. So yeah, yeah we can start from there. So, uh, so the healthcare s- system, we have it. Sorry, uh, you were gonna say something else, Josh. Well, I was gonna. I was towards the end. I was gonna ask why you went, to, why you moved to Ireland. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. I tend to jump to one thing from, from another. So if I go out of subject, please do stop me. Um, that's a good. Go to Ireland. Well. Uh, so I was. Uh, uh, it was part of the voluntary work that I began with the Epilepsy Association when I was se- seventeen. Uh, we had this uh, youth project for uh, teenagers with epilepsy across Europe, and this took t- took place in Ireland, the very same college and place where I later was destined to go and study. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the project was coordinated by facilitators, two facilitators who facilitate the the then one and only course, employment course for people with epilepsy in Europe. Mm -hmm. And and this was called Training for Success. And it's an employment-seeking one-year course where uh, people are taught the basics, maths, Spanish, IT, computing, then art, Creative writing, drama, health and fitness, communication, career management, yeah. And so, read all these, and uh, so they saw that I was promising. They saw that I uh, had things that needed working on. So anyway, the the project was about a week. I come back and uh, I went grocery shopping one day. Literally one of those Saturdays, and I walk home and I see my parents sitting down on a table, on the dining room table, quietly. And they told me, Matthew, we need to speak to you. We need to speak to you. Okay. I think, oh, okay, what's going to happen? And Matthew, we just uh, received that uh, you were offered an opportunity to go to study abroad in Ireland. And I just said yes within 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. And so there, my 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 journey began in Ireland. So, which was what was meant to be one year, lasted almost eight years because then they saw that I that I was really motivated to study academically, and I was offered to apply for other courses in this very same college, which is now a university in a town called yeah, where we talked about Sligo, yeah. For those of you listening, uh, Sligo, although small and little known, it's where the band Westlife comes from. The band, the members Westlife comes from. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of Sligo. It's like north, north of um, Galway. It, I, it is, I, yeah. No, well, no people from Galway. <laughs> it is, yeah. Two hours by bus from Galway. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's um, one thing. Yeah. Yes, and did you know some, like, Differences in attitudes, like cultural attitudes between Malta and Ireland, in terms of how people with oh. disabilities are perceived. Oh, very, yeah, very, very. On uh, some fronts, I think, I think uh, in Ireland, they they had a uh, much more tolerant and inclusive approach to people with disabilities. Who were visible, 
So, mm -hmm. for example, a friend of mine, she she's in a wheelchair because she developed meningitis mm -hmm. at age 12, and she ended up in a wheelchair. So, yeah, people like that, and, uh, and there were a few other people as well, and another guy... Uh, had a spinal injury, so he and he, he 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 was half paralyzed because he had a spinal injury. I was once playing football. Then there was another guy. Um, poor, poor poor lad, he's dead now. He's he's been dead for. He was dead actually. He died when I was in my last year in Ireland. He was completely. Uh, he he had a severe disability where he was paralyzed from head to toe. He was nonverbal, and the only way he he could communicate was he would do this on on. On a on a pad on, on his wheelchair, he would point to numbers and letters of what he wanted. It was the only way that, that he could communicate. So, yeah. to answer your question, I'm just giving these examples to answer your question. So, the, the people with these type of disabilities, yeah, they were helped and looked after for a lot. But for people with invisible, unseen disabilities, that uh, that was a little that was much tougher. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're a foreigner. Yeah, and and so like, why do you have a problem with like the word raising awareness? Why do you have a problem with that terminology? And what terminology would you recommend? Because uh, it's it's used for everything on it's used for everything under the sun. From everything from as something as serious as cancer, down to down to saving saving trees. I mean, come mm -hmm. on. Everything awareness, this awareness, climate change awareness, epilepsy awareness, blood awareness, uh, and okay, uh, awareness about what, about what the condition is. Okay, yeah, okay, yes, it's important to inform the public uh, of of what uh, Down syndrome is. It's important to inform the public of what multiple sclerosis is. It's important fibromyalgia for the people to know at least have some basics as to what it is. But uh, the problem is, uh, the idea of awareness ha has been reduced to hashtags and days, World Epilepsy Days, lighting up buildings in blue for autism, or purple in case of epilepsy, and say, oh, if, if you have someone, and posting on social media, oh, if you, I have epilepsy. Okay. But that doesn't solve so, so, some of the problems, for example, which some people face. Such as, if if you have seizures, if you have twenty seizures a day, some people do have them, and that's affecting your ability to work, to to hold a job, to perform academically. Mm -hmm. All the awareness in, in the world won't do jack, because even it. Even even if you you send your child to a special needs school, and I and I know people who have their children in special needs schools, the people who are in special need, the staff in the special needs schools, are either uninformed on some issues, ill-informed on some issues, or underfunded. And then and then we go back to oh because we need to fund these people more, we need to fund these places more, give more funding. Etc. Well, billions of euros are funded every year to countless non-governmental organizations with disabilities every year on projects to do this, this, of proposals to do this, this, and that. But when it comes to hands-on, real-life, everyday issues, for example, what is for you, personally, for the sake of integration, would you much rather? <clears throat> excuse me. Would you much rather have a ramp, a ramp, in which you can walk in and out of building properly? I'm going to play devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. If, for example, you can say both. Would you much rather have? A, a ramp from which you can walk in and out of the building properly, say if you're in a wheelchair, or if you have people, or 
spending that amount of money educating people about what they can do in cases of first aid. Well, I feel like that the ramp and the education will be important, but not just, but not just in the realm of like, for example, helping people in terms of like providing first aid, but also funding like documentaries and speeches and guest speakers like to go to schools and like, for example, like I'd focus on funding like programs that focus on people's lives and experiences as like in terms of like having these conditions because I thought that'd be a great way to break down barriers and stereotypes and prejudices and all that. Yeah. Do you agree? And, and yes and no. Oh. I would agree with you because that's exactly what I've been doing for the past nine or so ten years. Then the issue is bears of what? Because the bears are still there. But you, you uh, have you ever heard of the uh, the phrase? Because uh, oh, here's uh, here's another one, which ties. Uh, here's another saying mm -hmm. that made me coin the 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 concept, the illusion of inclusion. So every time I have a problem integrating with people, every time I fall out with people, I uh, make a mess of myself, I embarrass myself in, in crowds. This was back before I, uh, and shortly after I, I, I found out about the Asperger's, right? And then coupled with the epilepsy where I couldn't do certain things, I can't drive, etc., etc. So I, 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 I always used to get from counselors, ironically, you can't change other people. You can't change how other people think. Yeah. So if I can't change how other people think, how am I supposed to change how, how they think? Well, I would say give them the tools to come up with their own conclusions on how they can help people. And if they don't want to? Well, then that's up to them, isn't it? Yeah, it is up to them. But uh, but if, if it's you being in the workplace, if well, you're their colleague then 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 it is a problem yeah it is a it, it is a problem yeah see what i mean yeah yes, and then you just keep like going round around circles because if if you get rid of them that's gonna open up a whole set of worms and like possible exactly lawsuits, but exactly and but, then yeah but also but all, and that's the difficult thing. Like we need to I feel like that finding a balance is important as well. Like being able to accommodate these people are also at the same time, not sound like we're forcing a certain ideology on people. And that's exactly the other problem with the inclusion problem, illusion of inclusion, because in a nutshell, that is, it is in a sense, it, it, it's not in a sense, it is forcing an ideology on people. The ideology is equality of outcome. And in the process of doing it, it, it actually is creating a culture of safetyism, where uh, safetyism be, meaning identity politics, this group identity politics. I'm sure you've heard this before, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I almost fell, fell, fell into the horrible trap. It's a horrible trap. Uh, oh, we people with disabilities. So, and making the, the, the making the condition the disability my identity, where it's where it's the one and only thing that defines who and what I am. Well, no, it's not. My goodness me! If 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 epilepsy and Asperger were were, were the thing by which I define myself, I wouldn't be le learning how to learning self defense. Hmm. I I do, yeah. I do. By the way, and 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 the kind I learn it's Krav Maga, it's uh, it's not the easy one. So let's say, yeah, you know, and uh, and uh, and I've seen the and I see this in some of the people who come for us for for advice, where where their parents over protect them to a point where it does them more damage than good interpersonally. Now, now these people are, are would be different from the one from the type of disabled I mentioned earlier, whose disabilities were so severe that their cognitive 
process is is severely retarded that they can't speak for themselves. That's different. But in this case, for example, we got people where their son has a seizure one, once in once in two years. It's not the worst seizure. It's not the worst kind of type of seizure where they sustain an in injury where they crack their skull and and then land up in hospital or almost die. No, overprotect them to the point where they don't even let them cook an egg, boil an egg, make a cup of tea, or shower alone, or go out with their friends alone. Believe me, we've had these. And and uh, and in the work that we do, we we at times work with organizations of representing patients with other different types of disabilities and illnesses. So, so, so then you start hearing other different personal experiences, where and then it, it ties into wow, there's this culture of safetyism, and it's not and a, and it's not just in Malta. And I know this because I, I did a five month internship in Brussels with a, a lobby group, specifically a think tank for patients' rights. Mm -hmm. And and it was an umbrella lobby, or literally an umbrella for so many different organizations, patient representative organizations all over Europe of different disabilities and illnesses. And you would hear this, this, and that. Um, and it turns out that despite, yes, for example, so society, let's say in Europe, we have evolved technologically. Our healthcare systems have evolved, become better the services technologically, but the mindset where, for example, identity politics, mm -hmm. where uh, people with disabilities are treated and, and even told to be this oh, helpless poo-poo, feel sorry for me, oh, yeah. helpless. And, and that which reinforces the stereotype on the rest of society that we must act and speak and think in a certain way. Where, 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 where because Matthew has epilepsy, oh, I, Matthew must, you know, talk in a way where I, I endlessly, you know, oh, there's no hope for my life. Maybe, maybe I'm not giving the perfect or best described example at the moment, but those of your audience listening out there, they might be understanding where I'm coming from, where this uh, where this victimhood culture, for the sake of inclusion, has reinforced certain stereotypes about disabilities. Yeah, yeah, and I okay. Well, I I don't mean to like was going to cut you off, but I feel like that. It's almost been been almost an hour now. So, before we go, would you like to say anything else, or have you? Well, like... uh, I'd like to, to hear your thoughts about what I said. You know, because if okay. you disagree with me, please do. No, no, no. I, I, I agree with you, and this is like the, probably the last thing I'll say before you go today. And yeah, I feel like that there is this big cultural victimization but also I feel like that so I I was never able to go to college due to sort of like how the even though I'm like a really smart guy like I'm really strong in like the humanities and stuff like that like history politics geography etc and I couldn't really go to like college because I thought that there was this whole, like this whole one thing about you know universities not being as in inclusionist as as like high school or primary school, and I and honestly, I I thought that looking back, if I had known like about the Department of Disability Studies or the Access to Disability Support Unit at the University of Malta, I, if I felt like that might, if I felt I school had known about those things, I feel like that my life could have been a whole lot more. I would have been able to pursue a form of higher education at I believe some you. point. Yeah. 
And and you know why? Because you mentioned university, and I'll mention this very quickly. This experience that I had in in Ireland, uh, the the course that I signed up applied for after the training for success course was engineering, was mechatronics. So it was a combination of mechanical and electronics engineering. Mm-hmm. And one of the subjects was workshops, where we were working in a mechanical w- workshop yeah. with uh, thorns. Two months into the course, two months into the course, I get called in by the student access officer telling me that I can't continue studying the course due to health and safety reasons because of my epilepsy. So I told them, I told all the lecturers I have epilepsy so that they would know. Not, not so that they would feel sorry for me or give me a special treatment, so that they would know. Yeah. And the, the reason was health and safety. And, and, and I asked her who decided, the health and safety officer. So the health and safety officer didn't, what, didn't seem appropriate for him to tell me himself or not even be there at that meeting with, with the student office officer to be present to give his opinion as to why he believes that my seizures are health and safety issues. Health are, are are of a health and safety issue with the workshop, because again, you know uh, they had this nice, beautiful golden placard, the college, yeah, the college, and that one, uh, one of the one of the college's principles was the first one was inclusion, mm-hmm. and now and now that's another problem with disability these days. And that's a that is the legally perfect, convenient way of discriminating someone. You can't discriminate people on the basis of their disability. But if you're an employer who who couldn't be bothered and who thinks that that people like you or me are too expensive to employ, what reason would he find to not employ us or fire us? Health and safety. True mm-hmm. or false? There you have it. So a college that had inclusions splattered all across its booklets and the placards and gold lit. And I've heard similar stories happen where they find an excuse to supplement the mm-hmm. reinforced stereotype of a disability. Because had, had this health and safety officer bothered to take the time to ask me, listen, but what exactly is epilepsy? What type of seizures do you have? Or how often do you have these seizures? He wouldn't have even, even in that meeting, he wouldn't even then have to make the decision for me to have to switch courses two months into the academic year to IT, and all because of one subject. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well... <clears throat> Yeah. So and, yeah. yeah, and I feel like that if, like, I heard that the University of Malta's disability studies program was based on the one in, that was being offered by the University of Leeds. Well, I felt like that more universities should take like should be inspired by the University of Leeds's program in sort of creating a place where people can learn about what it's actually like to have a disability, like live life with it because I, I said this in a conference I spoke at it could happen to anyone you might not have a disability today but it, you could tomorrow or else it could be exactly. the parent of a child who has a disability exactly exactly mm-hmm. exactly and uh, usually I always say this at the end of every interview if it's not epilepsy it's something else it's, if it's not epilepsy, it's cerebral palsy. If it's not cerebral palsy, it's cancer. If it's not cancer, it's bipolar disorder. If it's not bipolar disorder, it's, it's extreme poverty. And why do I say this? Why do I make this point? I made this point to, to encourage people. Because as you said, we all have some form of disability, one or another. And uh, one other beautiful thing I noticed some of the most physically and mentally disabled people had the kindest hearts. In you know the kindest hearts, hearts of kindness and joy, where they have this genuine, innocent love and compassion. And yeah. that 
and when they're when so so much that when they are in a room, they light up other people's day. Yeah. Yeah. Like so that's the message that I would give, and okay. uh, unless you want to have me on another podcast and we could continue, I'd I'd love to have another one with you. I think you're an interesting and intelligent guy to talk to, and uh, thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. No, thank you. I I think that you. I think that you're a guy who I think will maybe may we'll have you back on at some point. We'll do, maybe see what the schedule on. And on that note, please like, share, leave a review, and see you guys later. Bye. Bye-bye.